Hey, Pocket Change listeners. Today, I'm excited to have John the Encourager, my friend. He's a motivational and inspirational speaker. He's going to tell some stories today about owning a business, a cigar shop. He's going to tell some stories about being 570 pounds and having no hope. And he's going to talk a little bit about how action activates hope. Remember, big is an attitude, not a size. Stay tuned. And welcome back, Pocket Change listeners. Today, I'm really excited to have John the Encourager, who is a motivational and inspirational speaker. John's goal is to have every person he interacts with leaving better and feeling better than when he found them. Welcome, John. Thank you, Kate. I couldn't have said that better myself. You should be my hype person. <laughs> That's what I do for a living, man. <laughs> I just stra- strategically plan hype. <laughs> I love it, man. Sign me up. Yes. How how how's it going? How how is uh how's how's everything? And you're in South Carolina. I am in South Carolina. Life is good in South Carolina. Uh, it's beautiful weather. The weekend is here. We've got some great plans for the weekend. So I just uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and chat with you for a little bit. Yeah, this is exciting, and I'm really grateful to have you. So let's dive in. You know, you say that your your goal, your objective, the long-term game for you is to become a full-time encourager. What does that mean? So that's a great question. I don't know that there is a definition, right? There's nobody else that I know that I've ever talked to, Kate, that has said, you know what, I'm a professional full-time encourager. So I here's what, I, here's what it means to me, because I don't know how I would make a living at it, right? Like, and, it's, and it feels kind of weird to be like, I want to make money cheering people up. Um, so to me, it means every day when I leave my house, I want to encourage at least one person for the day, right? Mm-hmm. And like be deliberate about it. Um, and sometimes it happens online, whether that's through some of my videos or uh, conversations with people or I see that they're struggling. Um, but if I had my druthers, as we say in the South, um, I would just – spend all my day like walking around looking <laughs> looking for people to encourage um because i just there's there's so much joy in that and it's not really even about me it's just to see gosh so many people these days need love right like as mm-hmm. woo woo as that can sound sometimes um so yeah that's a long answer to your question i don't know that there's a succinct well to be a professional encourager you would have to you know Maybe I need to figure that. <laughs> Maybe that's why we're here today, Kate, is to figure that out. Hey, I'm your gal. I, I love <laughs> yes. complex problems. And I think, you know, that that is the thing, I think. And this is where you and I have really connected is in that positive space of mm. lifting people up. I mean, uh, you and I met through social media and we interact with really positive information that we share with other people, whether that's through videos, memes, um, you know, quotes and sayings and things like that. But I think that when it comes to really providing that, it almost, it it feels like an expertise level of a coach, right? Like, Mm. you know, I, I do a lot of coaching with people and I do it between mental health to business coaching and so on and so forth. And there is a huge encouragement component to that, to that level of thinking. Right. Yeah, I think so. Do you think from the coaching aspect that it's just an addendum, right? So, hey, we're really here to figure out, I don't know what that is, right? We're here to figure out what you're supposed to do with your life. We're here to figure out problems that you may have, but I'm also going to be really good at encouraging you. Or is there some, are there some people that just enter into your life and say, look, I, I just need encouragement. 
Can you just encourage me as a coach? What are your thoughts on that? Mm, I think that's a great question. And I think, I, I think it could kind of go both ways, right? Like I think that when I look at the, the the business coaching, how I how I coach my leaders, and I coach leaders from oil and gas into academia into um, supply chain and marketing, right? Like so, it's I have a really wide spectrum, and I'm not an expert in anything these people do. I'm an expert in what I do, right? Mm-hmm. And so my my objective is to bring strategy and to help someone with their resiliency in being a leader, and really learn how to drive change with a leadership focus, not necessarily a change management focus. It's taking the tools of change management and turning it into leadership. And I think that when we really dive into a resiliency component, that's when we start to see self-confidence as a, a mm. significant gap in a lot of leaders is, you know, we, we see people who get promoted to incompetence, as I say. And it's not that they're uh, terrible people or that they've asked for that or that they're not doing their job. It's that they've been promoted to do something that they're not educated or equipped to do. Great. Fabulous technical leader, but now we're going to take you and we're going to make you a people leader. Well, if you Mm -hmm. understand SAP or Oracle or, you know, some type of technology, that's great. But people are not like that. And so when you have that, what I find is you get a leader who gets promoted from a technical competency into a leadership competency and they don't know what to do. And so it becomes self-confidence. And so you talk about encouragement. Encouragement comes in that space when we start to talk about our pillars of resiliency. Right. But let me tell you, I could absolutely see it on the other hand where somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I want to subscribe to your content or I want to subscribe to you. Right. Mm -hmm. As an encourager. And so you think about this. Maybe you put four packages together. You have, you know, uh, once a week interaction with somebody. Maybe you have uh, a program where you know, it's a higher price program and that person has access to you 24-7 via text. Maybe, you know what I mean? And then what it is, is it's they're using that service, that subscription, when they need that encouragement and that support. Now, that's the assumption that they would know that they need that at that time. But, you know, if somebody were going to sign up for subscription service, maybe that's what it would look like is I just feel like I need some encouragement. I just need to hear from my guy who's going to tell me what I maybe don't need to hear and help reground me to go the direction that I need to go. Right. Mm, yeah. I love that. And I think, and I've thought about that a lot, the idea of even just crowdsourcing this opportunity. Right. So look, if you, if you at some point this month think you might need encouragement, then let's do like a Patreon or, you know, a $5 a month or something. And of course, you know, $5 a month wouldn't really do it, but I have other ways that I make money. I'm not worried about, it is not a stressor to me to be like, Oh my gosh, I've got to figure out how to make this work. Right. Like my bills are paid. I can go do fun things, but I also want to figure out how to make this work. And what's interesting is recently, not recently, a couple of years ago, I used to always worry about the money, right? Like, oh, well, I'm not going to do this if it's not going to be worth my time money-wise. I'm not, you know, and that has become, a, a that that was a big change in my thinking was like, look, it's not about that. Like, and you hear people say all the time, do what you love and the money will come. Okay, sure. But I always used to get that flipped because I was raised not in a poor setting, but like we were lower middle class. My parents worked for a nonprofit, essentially a religious institution in South Carolina. And, you know, so it's like, I was always worried about, oh, well, is this going to make it, you know? So I definitely have thought about your idea of having those packages, whether that be, you know, we do a special Substack email where every day 
whether you need it or not. Because a lot of people, like you said, they don't know when they need it mm-hmm. or, or, you know, so you're just, you're going to get it. <laughs> and if you don't need it, well, then find somebody in your life that does need it. Yeah, what a great gift. What a great gift. So talk to me a little bit about the pathway to becoming the person that you are. Like, I mean, it, it takes something to motivate you to be purpose-driven, to be able to, to, the desire to serve others. Like, where does that come from? That's another great question. You're just bringing the heat today with the questions, Kate. (laughs) Um, So I was raised religious, and I think that was a big part of it. But I've come through this, this recent, again, not so recent, but realization of because I, the way I was raised was it's all about selflessness. It's all about this. It's all about that. And um, I was raised around people that were beat down. Boy, this is going to sound bad. That were beat down, that were oppressed, that were guilt-ridden because they were doing things. Or they may have accidentally done something that was against the rules of what we believed. And people would just shame them. And, you know, so I took it upon me to be like, look, doesn't like that doesn't matter. Right. And of course that was a little bit of a heresy in that world. (laughs) So like, um, but I could have that conversation with them and be like, you need to like, this is who you are. Like, you know, just try to really encourage them. So I think growing up in that world, I saw a huge opportunity for really encouraging folks and just loving on them and loving them well, because a lot of people in our world, if you did something outside of those, outside of the rules, you were shunned. Like, you know, nobody would talk to you, you know, nobody would love on you. Like it was just this mess. And so I think, I think I saw that opportunity and just thought, man, and I could, and I saw like when you would have that conversation, some people wouldn't take it. Like they'd be like, no, no, I was wrong. Like shouldn't have done it or whatever. And then some people would. And so to see them light up, um, and that's a little bit part of how you and I connected too was my backstory I was also riddled with guilt because of some things that I had done that were against the the dogma of what we were raised to believe. And that is part of what my backstory is. I used to weigh 570 pounds, mm-hmm. right? Because I would cover that guilt with food. I would, um, that's a whole nother, we could do a whole nother podcast on that. Like the amount of things that I would do to get it out of my head and to think I'm not worthy. I don't deserve love. And so as a result, I would eat, 10,000 calories a day or whatever. And so once I started to speak truth to myself and surround myself with people that were positive and encouraging and motivational and self, like just into the self growth world, uh, that's when I started to make changes and just, I started to value my life. Right. And so I think really my deep down my passion is to help people value their life because especially like I have a a soft spot in my heart for like super overweight people, right? Because they don't value their life. They also don't have any hope, which man, that breaks my heart because there was a time when I didn't have hope. Right. And so I say in all my videos, action activates hope. And so my goal is to get them to take one little action to move forward and then see that it's possible to take the next step and to start to build that hope. Because I mean, there would be nights, this is a real rabbit trail, but there would be nights that I would sit in my, like I couldn't sleep in my bed cause I was so big. 
and I would sit in my recliner that was also broken because I was so big. And I would fall asleep and I would think, you know what? This is probably the last night I'm going to be alive. And it, it didn't really bother me. Like, I wasn't suicidal. I call it a um, a passive suicide, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was just – and so it didn't bother me. Next morning I would wake up like, oh, all right, that wasn't it. And so then I go and repeat the the behavior. So anyways, I think that is going through that journey of weight loss and the way I was raised and – that really had a big impact on how I want to impact others. Mm-hmm. And that's that's so powerful. Thank you um, for sharing because I think, you know, we we I work with a number of individuals who have actually um, chosen to leave religions, mm-hmm. and the the history and the the upbringing can be very difficult for people as they naturalize into worlds, right? And, you know, no disrespect to any religion or any choice. I mean, I am very open to anyone and anything in that sure. case, right? But it's, so for me, it's not about the religion and it's not about um, the the dogma of what they experience, but it's about the behaviors that were laid down in their early childhood and the foundations that were put there, right? You think yeah. about our resiliency factors, problem-solving, empathy, emotional regulation, and self-confidence those start at birth, right? And mm-hmm. our time of gaining self-confidence, where we learn how to be self-confident, self-reliant, is between the ages of four and 12. And whatever happens between four and 12 are the formative years that our foundation is formed on, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. if between the ages of four and 12, all you're taught are all of the things that are terrible about the world, the things that you shouldn't do, and this oppression, I, I love that word. I think it's the right word for certain groups of folks. Um, like what it does is it places a foundation of now you turn 13 and you move into this new world of, you know, becoming a teenager, becoming an adult, an adolescent and an adult. And then it's like you're you're carrying these these beliefs that have been bred into you mm. and you're trying to live life in the way that your peers are. And it's very, very challenging. And then say you become an adult and you choose to leave that particular faith or maybe not the faith, but the the church itself, like the institution, sure. yeah. um, the, the struggle then becomes very real between what you know and what you see, observe, and what you experience and what you appreciate in life, mm. right? And yeah. so everything that we, you know, the big joke is anytime somebody goes to see a, psych- a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they always say, okay, tell me about your mother. Well, you know why? <laughs> because mothers are the root of all things, right? Yeah. I mean, we literally are the ones who make or break our children and fathers mm-hmm. are as well, right? You know, and yeah. so it's like, tell me about your childhood. And and so I think that, you know, your experience is is not without any really significant, you know, like it's it's worthy it's worthy and it's worthwhile and i think it's powerful john that you want to take that experience in your life like living in a space of passive acceptance let's just say of death and moving forward with your life and making the choice to change mm. right what does that look like? What 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 was what was the moment for you when you said i'm not doing this anymore where that grain of hope became something bigger. I love that. So I had, I would, I had a friend who would, I used to own a cigar shop and he would come into my cigar shop every day and we would have conversations and almost every day I would say to him, Brad, man, I got to lose this weight. And this was when I was a full five, seven, like I was just a big boy and he would look at me and he was a good friend. And he said, 
you, you don't want to lose the weight. And I was like, I mean, what are you talking about? And he was like, because if you did, you would do something about it. And in my oh. head, I was like, you son of a bitch. Uh, but <laughs> he was right, you know? And so he said, here's what's going to happen. One night you're going to go to bed and you're going to wake up and you're going to be miserable. And you're going to think, you know what? I, I have to do something about this because my quality of life is horrible. And again, I was like, whatever, man. Like, and I just kind of rolled off with it. And so I think I started to process that. And I had, there was a swath of years where I just didn't do anything. I didn't care about my health. I didn't, you know, like we talked about it, just kind of very passive, let myself go. Like, and I'd, I've always been the big jovial guy. It's who I am. Like, I love laughing with people. And my nickname is Big John. And people ask me all the time now, like, well, does it bother you? I was like, no, big is an attitude, not a size. That's what I tell people. <laughs> um, but so I kind of just, you know, decided to let it go. I think his words stuck with me and I started to really evaluate my quality of life. And even then I enjoyed things like speaking and all of that. And I didn't have as many opportunities because truthfully as a 570 pound man, they're not going to listen to you talk about motivation because you lack any motivation yourself. Mm. And so I kind of started to process that. And, um, I was following this guy on, on Facebook who was in Greenville, South Carolina, which is where I am. And he posted some pictures of food and I was like, Hey, are you doing paleo? Cause I was kind of starting to research what I might want to do, <laughs> which is typical, right? Like do all this research and research and research and never take action. And so mm -hmm. he said, Nope, I'm not, let's get together and I'll tell you what I am doing. And so he's a personal trainer. He owned a gym and, um, we sat down and he was like, he kind of spoke truth into my life that he didn't know me. But based on the fact that I was 570 pounds, he knew certain things about me, you know? And so, again, same deal. This guy started speaking truth into my life. And I was, like, getting upset because I'm like, bro, you don't know me. Like, ugh, you know? And so we get to the end and he was like, I feel like God's telling you I should train, like, telling me I should train you. And I was like, yeah, I bet he is. In my head, I thought that. And I said, uh, well, did God I'll tell you where the money was going to come from? Because... I don't have that, which was not true. I had other, I had other priorities at the time. And he said, uh, I'm not worried about it. So this dude took me under his wing at 570 pounds, started training me three days a week. In like 90 days, I lost a hundred pounds. Wow. Because, and I think my body, like I was so big, my body was like, thank God you're doing something right. Yeah. My blood pressure when I started was like, it was ridiculous. I think it was 194 over one something. I mean, it, like I was one pretzel away from like having a stroke. And then within two weeks, it was down to normal range. And in the first year, I lost 200 and I forget, 250 pounds or something. But 90 days into my journey, I walk into the gym and this guy who had been a change, you know, a change agent in my life, like he had said, let's do this. And he had legitimately brought change. I went from 570 to 470 in 90 days. And the head trainer comes up to me and he goes, did you hear about Sean? And I was like, no. And he goes, he was in a motorcycle accident yesterday and like didn't die, but he broke his pelvis, like had all these and he couldn't train anymore. Oh so at that point I was at a crossroads, right? Like this man who had legitimately stepped in. Yeah. And changed my life. And I was like, well, I could either give up and just, okay. Like I don't have a gym to go to like whatever. Or I could figure this out. And that 
let me back up. This this kind of this this is out of order, but before Gary had told me that the head trainer, I met with another friend of mine who owned a CrossFit box the day before, and he was like, "Bro, I know like you enjoy what you're doing lifting wise, but he said just come come join us at CrossFit sometime." And literally, when I heard that about Sean, I reached out to this guy and I said, "Hey man, like here's the story," and he was like, "Yeah, come out tomorrow morning." And I went out there and that's when I started my CrossFit journey at 470 pounds. So I'm also very passionate about helping really big people do CrossFit, but that's, we could talk about that later. But, um, yeah, so all in my life, there have been change agents that have stepped in to help me. Like the very first guy that said, look, I'm going to train you. And in the beginning, Kate, it was all I could do was walk around the parking lot twice. And he was Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's it. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, but come back Wednesday. So I did that. And then we walked around it two and a half times. And then Friday was three times. And so we just, but these people have stepped into my life and been very gracious. And I think that's another thing that I'm really, like, I, I love sharing is gratitude. And, you know, because if they hadn't have been so gracious and I hadn't expressed gratitude to them, then they may have gone away. Or, you know, like, I, mm-hmm. I just think through that a lot. But, I love the selflessness that those guys had um, when they stepped in to help me. So mm-hmm. that was a very long way around to get to the answer of your question. But um, those guys, like it was, it was perfect timing for Sean to step in and say, I'm going to help you. Um, and I hated it that he had that accident. But what was interesting is, I've found in my life that it seems like when something tragic happens, either really good things come out about somebody or really bad things come out about somebody. Mm-hmm. And so what was interesting is this happened and all of these stories, bad stories started coming out about this guy and it blew my mind, right? Like this guy like had saved my life. And here I am hearing all of these verified stories like, so that <laughs> that was a very weird juxtaposition for me to figure out like how do I process this? Mm-hmm. This guy this guy was a lifesaver and now I'm finding out about all this stuff. So that was that was an interesting thing to process through. Yeah, but, it might have been just the time for that that relationship to expire, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think that there's any such thing as coincidences. I think everything like I I don't just say that everything happens for a reason when something bad happens, like or what we perceive to be negative. I I, I do genuinely think that everything happens for a reason, and that we are in the situations that we're in as a result of doing the things and being where we need to be, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's. I think it's super interesting. Like we all have a, a moment, right, where we wake up and we see something, or, or you know, like for me, I think I was one hundred and fifteen pounds I've lost, and you know, I think about people ask me all the time, what what made you change, and it was Ruth was eighteen months old, and we went her her father and I took her down to meet her her Mimi and. Pippi and her great Mimi and, you know, the whole family. And so we get down there and we went to Niagara Falls because they're in Windsor. And I went and I did this like Niagara Falls boat thing with my brother and sister-in-law and my ex-husband stayed on the shore with Ruth. And and of course you come off and the first thing that they do is they're like, okay, we're going to take you a picture, a t- a take a picture of you and sell it to you for $85. <laughs> and so, and so I stood there and I got this picture taken and 
I, I, I looked at this picture, like I came off of the boat and I looked at this picture and I went, oh, it looks like I have a whole bunch of uncooked bread in my pants. And I thought mm-hmm. that that black tank top was hiding everything because black is supposed to be slimming. That was the worst slimming black I've ever worn in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and oh. so I saw that and, and I looked at myself. I think I was just shy of 26 years old. And I looked at it and I said to myself, I will not see this child graduate high school if I continue doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. to myself. Right? And, you know, it was... I I got home in like the end of September. I went whole ham and not unlike you, I think within the first like 90 days, not even, it wasn't even 90 days. I would say 60, 60, 65 days, I'd lost 80 pounds. And, but you know, I mean, when you're bigger and you stop drinking full sugar pop and you take hot chocolate out and you don't drink a mocha and you're counting your calories, which I went way too low, like 1200, not good, but sure. for me, I could only do the elliptical for 15 minutes at a time and then stretch. And that was it. Yeah. Like, yeah. and people say to me, like, what what was it? And I said, it hurt to sit. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. It hurt to sit. I couldn't exist without some element of my body hurting after yeah. a very yeah. short period of time. But can we also take a second and say, like, I know that this is not a weight loss podcast, but the truth is the 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 common thing between us is if we we were just consistent and we were persistent for 90 days and we saw results and for me that's what helped fuel me on to the next level because i thought Mm -hmm. man but because in the past i wouldn't give myself 90 days right like i would try something for a week or i would start a diet or whatever on a monday and then screw it up on a wednesday i'd be like well i mean it's almost the weekend you know, I'm just going to screw it. Like, I'll just, you know, and the thing that I'd love telling people now is just because you have a flat tire doesn't mean you're going to go slash the other three tires. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but you, you and I, we saw, we, we were persistent. We were consistent with what we did for 90 days or even for you it was less than that. And we saw the results. And then, so I think that's what I would encourage people with too. If they're listening to this and they have that struggle is pick something and stick with it. Well, and I think it's great advice. And I think that it applies to anything, anything, consistency and and, and application, right? I, I have like a whole bunch of one-liners that go through my head every single day. And the first one is actions express priorities, mm. right? Don't tell me one thing and then do something completely counterproductive to what it is that you've told me. Like that actions express priorities. I don't care what you're saying. What are you doing? That Mm -hmm. matters. Okay. The next one is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And Mm -hmm. that for me, what that does when it comes down to uh, consistency, whether that be sitting down and being dedicated to my work, to blocking time, to spending time with my business partner, to how I'm uh, acting in terms of my board memberships, in terms of how I'm eating, how I'm training, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so find that one thing that you love to do, that you mm. love to do, and just do the shit out of it, mm. right? And then take that same level of motivation and apply it to something you don't like. Ooh. You want to see your life change? Ooh, that will change your life. Man, I love that. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm. So good. Yeah, it's, you know, and it, it comes down, like, every day is not a good day. Every day is not going to be a good day. But this is where, you know, we flex those resiliency muscles, 
right? And we do the basic things like getting a good rest. I think people forget that taking care of the physical form is the best way to get the the, the output from the mental form. And Mm. Yes, we have our influencers and we have, you know, all those people who do things on the internet, but majority of us don't earn money with our bodies. We earn money with our brains, right? And and yes, okay, you have people who are hybrids. You look at somebody who works at a coffee shop in a warehouse, um, you know, where they do have a construction site. There's, There's physical, physical labor. Right. But at the same time, there's still critical thinking. There's still problem solving. There's still communication. There's emotional regulation. Like there's empathy for other people. I mean, I used to work at a coffee shop and boy, you have to be empathetic with people sometimes. Right. I mean, yeah. you would know this from being an owner of a, a shop, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, p- part of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of that was exactly that. People would have come in and have the conversation and just they could be struggling. And then, you know, we would have those those conversations. And yeah, she had to be very empathetic and mm-hmm. I, I loved it so much for sure. So talk a little bit about that business aspect. When did you get into that and when did you get out of that? I mean, that's a pretty unique niche market. It is. So oddly enough to all this talk about health, my one vice is that I love, love cigars and I don't love them for the sake of the nicotine and the tobacco. I love them because of the community and mm-hmm. You know, I tell people all the time, like, if I like you, we may have a cup of coffee and, like, sit down and talk for 30 minutes. But if I really like you, I'm going to invite you to have a cigar with me because that's going to take two hours. We're going to have to be deliberate about conversation. Like, and it's also a great equalizer. I can walk into a cigar shop. If I was a janitor, I could walk into a cigar shop and have a cigar with a CEO. And Mm. every conversation has started the same way. What are you smoking? Oh, well, this is, you know, Monte Cristo or whatever. And then you have an instant door to open to to talk about this. So the community is what what drives me there and what drove me there. And so in 2014 in Greenville, there was a guy that was kind of struggling with his cigar shop. He had a bar and a shop connected to each other. The bar was doing really well. The cigar shop was not. And so a business partner and I went in there and said, look, we love this, like, can we buy this and buy this half of your business? And he was like, yeah. So we did it. And a year later, we found out that none of the stuff that he had told us was true. Like he didn't actually have his licenses. Like, so we had to, for the sake of not getting in legal trouble, pull out. And so, but it it was a very seamless thing. Like it was, it was only a year, but at the end, we pulled out. We found another cigar shop because we were all pretty close who sold all of our inventory for us on consignment. And it was like nothing ever happened except for mm. I made some great contacts and had some great relations with people that came in and I made a lot of new friends. So I didn't make a ton of money off of it. It didn't matter to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I got to hang out with my people and meet new people and the opportunities that that opened up was a huge deal for me. Well, that's really powerful, too, to, like, be able to experience that kind of, uh, dare I say, business trauma. Like, I mean, it's terrifying when you find something out like that where you're non-compliant to government regulations. Like, that's that's scary stuff because you don't know. That's right. Especially in that world, right? Like, in other worlds, you know, if you had a lawn business, there's not a whole lot of regulation there. But when it comes to tobacco and or alcohol, man, and, like, they get real picky with you. And as a matter of fact, the 
guy that, and I'm not trying to air dirty laundry, but the guy that we were partnered with or that we had that had the bar was eventually shut down because sled came in asking for some food. He said he didn't have food. And in America or in South Carolina, we have to, if you serve liquor, you have to serve food. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I don't have any food. And they like immediately locked his doors, closed them down, took all of the liquor off of his shelf. And we're talking, he had bottles of scotch that were thousands of dollars oh my and they gosh. took it outside and poured it out. And that was the end. So, we were gr- thankfully uh, not a part of that situ- situation, right? That would so, be terrifying. Yeah, exactly. So we got I got a phone call from the guy who actually did hold the licenses um, and said, hey, just so you know, this is the situation. It's not what you think it is. And so I had a conversation with my partner, and he was like, yeah, we got to get out. So like it was very serendipitous that this guy reached out to me. So. Wow. And and that's part of the community, right? I mean, we, we see that in multiple communities is, you know, I mean, there's, I, I you think about it in, in networking, in, in how we choose to live our lives. And I think that people like you and I, we're, we're, we're avid networkers. Like I, mm-hmm. I love going out and being around people. I mean, I don't love huge crowds. I don't go to concerts and stuff like that. But, you know, I do go into networking events. And so there's the change networking events, then there's the technology networking events. And I've got my oil and gas people, my manufacturing people, my plastics people. Oh, but then, you know, there's other technology people with, you know, subsets. And, you know, I think, when you go in and you have the opportunity to network pe- with people and bring different pieces to the table, right? I mean, like, you know, cigars, you can go and have a conversation about cigars. But if you're at, uh, you know, uh, a life coach conference, you can still talk about cigars with a small group, a subset of people who want to have that conversation. But you can't necessarily have the life coaching conversations with the cigar people because that they might not be open to that, right? Like, so I right. think... The, the networking capabilities of being able to live this life of yes, where you're open and willing to receive the abundance that people bring to you, mm. I think is super powerful. So powerful. <laughs> yes. And I think just like, I try to live my life too, where people want to tell me that stuff, right? Like, yeah. because if somebody didn't like me, like if that guy didn't like me, he'd be like, I'm not going to tell him, screw him. He'll have to figure it out yep. himself. Right. Yep. And so if I'm, I think if I am in that, that position and loving on people and not that I want people to come rat other people out to me. Right. But especially if it impacts me and my, my family, then please. (laughs) Right. Well, that's exactly it. And I think we build those relationships every day in everything that we do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the book that changed my life, and I tell people this all the time, I don't do a ton of reading. I'm an audio book person because I drive a lot. Um, But the book that I've read that I love, I listen to it every single year. I've read the hard copy is the four agreements. Mm. And the first of the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. And that's not just to yourself, but it's to and around and about others. And I, I have thoughts. Let me tell you, I see things on Instagram and I'm like, WTF, what is going on here? And Mm. sometimes I'll hit the forward button and I'm going to go send that, that, that thing to somebody. Usually one of my best friends. I've got like, you know, a couple of three people who I send a lot of stuff to and Ruth, but she goes on and sees 1700 of them at one time. And if I don't have something nice to say about it, it is okay for me to have curiosity and to think what I think and not air those thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? Like it allows me to catch myself to say, okay, 
what's your intent of sending this? Are you sending yeah. this to make a joke about this person or to, you know, say something that's unbecoming? Like, how is this adding value to the world? Mm. I literally ask myself that dozens of times a day. How would that add value to the world? Why would responding to that person on the internet matter to you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, and I think a really prime example is the political climate that we're in, both in North America as well as in the Middle East and in Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, I have friends who are on both sides of that conflict in the Middle East right now. People mm. who I love dearly who are Palestinian and people who I have loved dearly for a decade who are Israeli born or immigrated Jewish family members that we are connected to. And there is so much that we don't know. Mm. And people are commenting on things that may or may not be reality. And they're starting these crazy bun fights on the internet and they're spending and investing all of their time, yes, trying to get their point across, but at the same time, not adding value, mm. right? It's okay for us to have opinions. We don't all need to know them. At the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, John, let's be honest. Most people are morons with a Wi-Fi connection, not a philosopher. That's right. Right. And my time is worth something. Mm. We, it is the one thing we cannot get back is our time. So mm. how we're choosing to spend it, how we're choosing to talk to ourselves, how we're choosing to talk to and about other people. It matters. Yeah, man. I love that. Can I tell you something about the four agreements? Please. So you can't actually see this, but right behind me, there's that multiple color thing on my fridge. Yep. That is the four yep. agreements. Because <sighs> I love them. Like I was like, I've yep. got to find a way to put them in front of me every day. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. That's huge. But, and I, you know, gosh, you're right. And I found like, people will say, well, if you don't express your opinion then you're a pushover, I, I mean, that's not true. Right. Mm -hmm. I express opinions on things that I know about. And here's what I know. I know that I care for people. I know that I want the best for them. And so I can have conversations about that all day long. I don't mm -hmm. know shit about what's going on over there. I know that I, that both sides have people that are getting hurt. Right. Yes. And so, like, let's have a conversation about how we can love on those people. And I don't, we're not going to have an argument about who's right and who's wrong. Yeah. I'm also not a, and this is, a lot of people say this is a detriment to me. I'm not a political person because I don't want to have that argument with people. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it's just, I'll listen to somebody talk about it, but I won't engage in a conversation about politics in America. It's just, you know what? As long as I can love people well enjoy my cigars and some bourbon every once in a while and have some freedom, then we're great. Right. We could have a dog in office, which actually would be pretty good. Dogs are pretty nice, but you know, like it doesn't matter to me. I just, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's the same for us. I choose not to engage. I was very politically active when I was younger, between 15 and 21. I had invitations to G8 summits. I had, you know, caucus meetings. I did a lot. And yeah. you know that saying that they say, you know, once you see sausage made, you'll never eat sausage again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what happened. You know, right. and it's you're inside of this machine and, you know, they value the young person until the young person isn't young anymore and they can't manipulate and you form your own ideas and your, you know, the, the perception of the ideology. And I just um, I, I fell out of love with the process because it just like the people were not who they portrayed themselves to be. And it's like, you know, a, a really great example of this was we were 
at a fundraiser. And when I was a young woman, everybody would buy my way into these fundraisers. So I could go and have beef on a bun with any minister of parliament that I wanted to. And somebody would pay the $200 ticket for me. Fabulous. Wow. And, and at the time, I was in, in the process of eating myself healthy, right? Not healthy. Not healthy at all. And sure. so, yep, let's have some beef on a bun, a couple of those, some some drinks that somebody will buy for me, some coleslaw, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. And I remember there was this lady running around and she had this petition that she wanted to get everybody to sign to change our national anthem. And for me, I was not a fan of it. I was just like, I don't see what's wrong with it. And she said, well, not everybody can identify with it. You know, it says in all our son's command is what the the term was. And so she felt this to be exclusionary of people who were, I guess, not male. But I mean, I kind of understand where it came from, the history of why it is the way it is, but okay. And so I said to her, absolutely not. I'm not signing your petition. And I think I was 19 at the time. And and I said, I'm not signing your petition. And she was like, oh. And so she leaves. And, you know, somebody says, so why why won't you sign her petition? And I said, well, I was like, it would be like, why do we have to change everything for everybody? And this is kind of where I was at the time. And And I said, like, at some point, my... Canadian identity needs to be respected and valued as well. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and you know how like in a, in, a, in a room, sometimes you have it's really loud and then there's like a quiet lull while like everybody's mm. chewing or, you know, but <laughs> yeah. so I go, you know what, why don't we just go ahead and put a big giant beaver on the flag and we can call that the Canadian flag. And the room went quiet at that point. And <laughs> this woman with her thing, she whips her head <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I don't think I can do this anymore. (laughs) You know, but I mean, like, I just, I think it's a problem. I need to explain myself. I Mm. am who I am. I believe what I believe. And I don't owe you an explanation for that. Man, that's powerful. So true. Also, one of my favorite things. It's a problem you think I need to explain myself. You know where I got that? Out of Moneyball. Really? Yep. Because when they were about to go and let one of the popular players go Jonah Smith's character was freaking out and he was saying to Brad Pitt we can't do this and Brad Pitt looks at him and goes it's a problem you think you need to explain yourself and I was like oh that is like my life card (laughs) yeah man that's so good I need to tell all my religious friends that (laughs) yeah yeah it's a problem you think you need to I I say that we actually my uh my friend and I we did an event called Empower earlier this year and we had stickers printed that says validation is for parking and it's a problem you need to explain. It's a problem you think Ooh. you need to explain yourself. I love that. I'm writing that down. Yep. So again, yep. man, that line alone is worth it. But there we go. <laughs> so John, so John, let's let's wind this down. And and yeah. and if we were to wind it down, and you were to be able to leave one one really crystal clear thought with our listeners, what would that be today? I referenced it earlier, but I believe that it feels like today and maybe i'm wrong but a lot of people just lack hope right and it doesn't have to be big people it could be in anything and so i firmly believe that action activates hope so i you know if you feel hopeless then i would say take one action that feels that that may feel futile in the beginning but that will help you move in the direction that you want to move um i think that's a big deal because hope Lack of hope perpetuates nothingness, right? Mm -hmm. Like people just sit there 
and they the despair is real and there's no hope and there's why would I do that? There's no but the reality is, gosh, just get moving. And and it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be uh, mental, whatever. Just take a step, take an action, right? And, and that's a very wide scope. You can you know you can interpret that how you will, but and not everybody is hopeless, which is great. But to the people that are, I would say that's my takeaway: action activates hope. Absolutely amazing. So if people want to get in touch with you, they want to check out your video content, they want to follow your journey, they want to maybe tap into you for some of that uh, encouragement, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So John the Encourager on Instagram, and there's no H in John, so it's J-O-N the Encourager. I think I'm going to go as a Viking this year for Halloween and be John the Encourager, right? Like that's just do instead of do random acts of kindness instead of raping and pillaging, right? I love it. I love it. I gotta start looking for a Viking outfit. Keep you out of trouble. Uh, I love it. Sure. Um, (laughs) So John the Encourager on Instagram, also John the Encourager on TikTok, and then if they want to connect with me on Facebook, I'm also open to that. John Evans, J O N E V A N S. Which there's a lot of John Evans out there. So if you find me, you've earned it. So (laughs) wonderful. John, thank you so much for jumping on with us today and uh, sharing some inspiration and a really fantastic story. I don't think this will be the last time we have you. I think, I hope not. And can I take a second and affirm you? Please. So I have followed you for a while now. We've been connected on Instagram and I am just, I want to affirm that you're one of the most positive people that I know and that you're driven and that I see you out there impacting lives. And I think probably not enough people tell you that. And so I wanted to tell you that. And I think the people that listen to this know that already. But I wanted to affirm that for you today. So, John, that is wonderful. Thank you so much. You made my day. Thank you for having me. This has been great. It's been fantastic. And listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of Pocket Change today with John the Encourager. Find him at John the Encourager on Instagram, TikTok, and of course, John Evans. If you can find him on Facebook, you've earned that right. And remember, listeners, if you ever want to hear us highlight anybody or feature any content, please reach out. A call doesn't cost a thing. 